Hello, and welcome to the All Things Hadoop podcast. I'm your host, Joe Stein, founder and principal consultant of Big Data Open Source Security, LLC. This is episode 20, a talk with Bikas Saha and Arun Murthy. And now, on to the show. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Bikas Saha. Bikas leads the Apache Tez incubating project uh, as a committer uh, as well as on Yarn. As well, I'd like to introduce and uh, welcome back Arun Murthy to the podcast. Arun is a uh, Hadoop PMC member committer. Welcome, Arun. Welcome, Bikas. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. So, Bikas, maybe you can get started and just tell us a little bit about how you got into Hadoop and open source and Tez. Uh, uh, about two years ago, uh, I was at Microsoft, uh, working there for about five odd years. And like any web scale company, uh, what used to be live search and is currently Bing and Hotmail and all the other online properties in Microsoft had that same, you know, scale problem for data and processing. So, uh, we built an in-house, uh, distributed file system and execution engine similar to Hadoop which was called Cosmos was the file system and we used uh, Microsoft Dryad as the execution engine. And you know that gave me a big background in, in, in distributed computation and all the big data stuff that's going on. And I found that uh, the open source Hadoop uh, ecosystem is also very similar and, and, and interesting in its own ways. They've solved different problems uh, and similar problems. And so in order to expand the scope of, you know, what I was doing, I, I thought that it'd be a good idea to start working on Hadoop and the ecosystem of projects. And as Yarn came along at that time, it, uh, was very much of an opening up of the ecosystem to many different applications. So that laid the ground for a different, uh, way to process stuff on Hadoop, which is different from MR but which is more powerful and more general and more flexible. And that is when, you know, the seed ideas of Thais started happening, something like this. Uh, and, you know, as time progressed, uh, we started working on, on Yarn and, and improvements to Yarn, making it ready as a platform for multiple applications. And when that got out, uh, you know, everything was set for, for something like Thais to start off, and we started the Thais project. Uh, it's motivated by a lot of uh, work that the team as well as uh, the users uh, like Hive and Pig have have done over the past few years on MR and so we built on the learnings and the shortcomings and the drawbacks and the advantages, the good and the bad of that system as well as the observations that we made in other parallel systems like Microsoft Dryad or you know, Stratosphere or NFLA or Hyrax and stuff like that to figure out what would a modern uh, distributed execution engine for data processing look like. And that's how we, we started the Thais project and we made quite a little bit of progress on that. That's great. So Aaron, can you give us an update on Yarn? Absolutely. At Hortonworks, we shipped HTTP 2.0. That was our first uh, GA product based on the Hadoop 2 code base and, and more specifically Yarn. Um, and we've been, we've had uh, a phenomenal uh, sort of feedback, both as an open source community and as a and as a Hadoop distribution from our customers. Since then, we went ahead and released uh, Hadoop 2.3, which had another sort of uh, key sort of bug fixes and enhancements. And uh, we're now, as a community, getting up to release Hadoop 2.4. 
So if you look at what's happened in yarn the last six months or so, is we've definitely uh, gotten a lot of uh, you know key feedback from you know people who deployed Hadoop Cloud or and yarn in production in the last six months. Um, I, I can't unfortunately talk specific uh, names, but suffice to say that uh, there are several several multi-thousand node clusters uh, running on Yarn in our customer base today. Obviously, you know everybody's aware that you know Yahoo has been running Yarn in production now for almost uh, you know 15, 18 months. Um, so that's been great. Um, we've also been really fortunate to have folks like Twitter deploy um, Yarn to production. That you know they've given great they've given great feedback. They've given uh, they've contributed back a number of enhancements and bug fixes. The product the project has matured pretty nicely in the last six months. Having said that, in, in terms of newer enhancements, what we've been working on um, are sort of uh, multivariate at this point. In the 2.4 release. We've added a number of uh, and features which make it really easy to build new applications. We've added something called the application timeline server. Now, what the application timeline server does is it acts as a repository for application-specific metrics. Right, so you are MapReduce, your Tails, your Spark, your Giraffe. You can actually pour metrics, application-specific metrics, into the system, and there's a really simple web service API to both put and get the metrics back, back with some aggregation, right? So for example, in, in the context of MapReduce, which I'm sure your uh, listeners are more, most familiar, you have the concept of a job. Every job has a number of tasks, and every task has a number of task attempts, right? So this is a, there's a natural hierarchy. And you can now, into the application timeline server, you can actually pour events into that hierarchy. The hierarchy is actually defined by the application itself, uh, because what makes sense for MapReduce won't make sense for Tails and so on. But there's a loose hierarchy you can you can define, push the metrics in, and then you can put get them back via web service call. The advantage of this is now you can actually build very very functional and very very um, very very complex um, user interfaces to allow people to see what's happening in your um, yarn. Yarn cluster and in your Yarn application. So Tails, for example, uses this. It has an even more complex hierarchy of DAG, vertices, tasks, and task attempts. Um, and these are all sort of uh, you know key enhancements we've done. In the back end of the ATS, we use a NoSQL store. Uh, so you could you could plug in HPS or a Cumulo or any of these to actually scale metrics out um, to you know you know millions of metrics if you want to. So that's one key thing. Going looking forward, there have been a number of sort of uh, core enhancements. Added uh, preemption. We're that's one. That's going to be one of the big ticket items that we'll release in 2.4 uh, for the capacity scheduler. We've uh, we're also getting uh, close to to a point where the, the community has done a lot of work, um, really supporting multiple resources like CPU and disk and so on. Um, as we talk to a number of sort of partners of Hortonworks um, and you know other people who want to take their existing applications and bring it onto Yarn. Um, there's obviously Hoya, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Hoya is you know it's used to stand for Hedgepace and Yarn, but we're now actually generalizing it so that you can actually take any existing service and run it within Yarn. And that's going to be a pretty key game changer because. 
we now have a number of partners who are taking their existing services and products and they're using you know, something like Hoya. Uh, Hoya is getting into the Apache incubator by, as a product by its on its own right. Um, so they're going to take their existing services and applications and bring it and, and run it on Yarn. Another example of a key enhancement that's going to come in the next, uh, you know, maybe 2.5, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure it's coming to 2.5, is uh, this notion of labels. Um, where you can actually go in and tag nodes with labels. Admins can tag nodes with labels. And now these labels can be anything from, um, you know, hardware architectures to operating systems. So you can have a bunch of Windows servers and a bunch of Linux servers. And as an application, you can ask for resources or containers only on nodes which have these labels. Right? And furthermore, the admins have control. They have ACLs and so on on the labels. As a result, there'll be, you, you can actually get pretty fine-grained control on, you know, what your, what your cluster looks like, what the layout looks like, and who can get containers on which uh, physical machine. Actually, I'm also really happy that, you know, somebody from uh, VMware, actually, uh, Junping, who's one of the committers on Yarn, he's been, he's, he works for VMware, and he's been contributing support for, uh, for you know, virtual machines as a, as a, as a key part in the, in the topology. As I'm sure you're aware, you know, Yarn has always supported node, rack, op switch as the three, three levels in the hierarchy. Now, what Judping's done is, is that he's added a fourth level, which is virtual machine. So now the hierarchy looks like virtual machine, node, rack, op switch, right? So again, as you see, there's a number of, you know, people, uh, both in the open source community and outside, uh, in the, sort of the classic you know, proprietary software vendors. They are actually embracing Yarn in a pretty big way, and they're contributing a number of uh, key enhancements. The one thing I definitely want to mention is that uh, with 2.4, you'll also get high availability for the resource manager. Um, actually, I'll let Vikas uh, talk about it because he was the guy who drove the initial design. Um, because maybe you want to talk about it. Yeah, so... Uh uh, Yarn, you know, uh, when it started off, there was a central component, which was the resource manager, which is the brains of the cluster. And as with any, you know, distributed system with one brain, there is the single point of failure argument, which was being made uh, for the maturity of the system. But now we are pleased to say that uh, with 2.4, we released uh, high availability for the resource manager so that you can have multiple instances of the resource manager. Which, who can take over when the first, in, the second instance can take over from the first instance when the first instance goes down because of either a bug or scheduled maintenance or whatever. And uh, this uh, failover happens really fast uh, so that uh, the clients uh, should not see a lot of downtime when, when this thing is happening. Uh, secondly, the design is already trying to incorporate the fact that we do not want to have too much downtime in the system when, when, when such a failover happens. And so the outstanding work in the cluster just continues to run. And we have plans going forward once RM uh, high availability is shipped and is, you know, uh, accepted uh, more widely, then we have plans on how to continue to improve the downtime uh, for the cluster by losing as little work as possible. As of now, some of the running work in the cluster may be lost while the RM is transitioning from one RM to the other, but we have a concrete plan and design on how to not lose any work in the cluster 
when such uh, an event happens and uh, this all of this was a fairly wide uh, uh widely spread community effort with with a bunch of folks from you know a lot of different places uh, pitching in to get this done and tested in the 2.5 release actually yahoo has been putting a lot of work into uh rolling rolling upgrades for yarn so this way you'll actually now you can actually upgrade the software on both you'll be able to upgrade software on both the resource manager and the node manager and all the running applications will continue to run you know absolutely untouched as we even upgrade the software on the node manager and the resource manager yeah that's great um, there's been a lot of work uh, been done and it's uh, it's definitely showing in the distributions and the different features that are coming in uh, with you know HDFS with uh, from 2.2 and now all these other features uh, coming in Yarn, it's uh, very exciting. Um, so, can uh, Bakas, can you speak a little bit more to uh, kind of what Tez is and how it works? So, uh, with Hadoop 1, there was Hadoop and MapReduce, where Hadoop was the platform and MapReduce was the way you process the data on the platform. So, the analogy is similar with Yarn, where in Hadoop 1 and Hadoop 2, Yarn separated the resource management component from the application logic. Earlier, MapReduce was both resource management and application logic. In Hadoop 2, Yarn is resource management and application logic is delegated to the applications themselves, which is why you have multiple applications. But since data processing is the bread and butter application of a Hadoop uh, cluster, we needed to figure out whether we should continue with MapReduce or replace it with something that is more general, more flexible, and more uh, a more modern architecture. And that is the underpinning for uh, for Thais, where uh, we fixed uh, certain key issues that uh, users were seeing with, with MapReduce. One was the issue of expressibility. If you take, you know, applications like Pig, Hive, or, you know, these query applications, they have complex DAGs of queries and they had to somehow, you know, make those DAGs look like a string of MR jobs, MapReduce jobs in order for it to work. So there was no clean, elegant and direct way to, to translate what you want to do into an efficient plan because MapReduce didn't express that API. All you had, all that you could do were, were, was map and reduce. Secondly, uh, MapReduce was an end-to-end -end application where everything was done for you, which made it e easy to use, but at the same time, enhancing it or changing it for performance or for different kinds of optimizations was hard. So this, this two-pronged problem uh, was, uh, was very evident in all the experience that we had with MapReduce. And so we, we decided to approach these two problems uh, in phase. So what this does is it expresses, it allows you to express your computation as a DAG, which is a directed acyclic graph. So any, any, any data flow or any data processing typically looks like a data flow graph in which there are sources of data which send data to different kinds of processing elements, which then send it to other kinds of processing elements, and finally it's written out into some, uh, you know, sync of data. That is typically a, a, a graph or a directed acyclic graph, and this via the API, via its uh, DAG API, allows users to very elegantly and directly transform uh, their uh, their uh, data flow plans or data flow 
programs into uh, a DAG that players can execute. Secondly, uh, we have tried to make different pieces in the platform very flexible and pluggable and configurable. So earlier when you did map reduce, you had a mapper and a reducer. But in phase, when you run up any processing on a piece of data, you we specify it as a set of input processor and output, where the input knows how to read the input, the output knows how to write the output, and the processor knows how to change or process the input, process the data. So a map in a MapReduce uh, program changes into an HDFS input, a map processor, and an intermediate file output. A reducer changes into an intermediate file input, a reduced processor, and an HDFS output. So using this paradigm, we are able in, th in, in Taze, we are able to uh, put together arbitrary computation which is totally pluggable and the user and there's a very thin API layer around which you can wrap any specific uh, technology or any specific data transfer methodology or any specific custom processing that you want to do. So this has enabled very quickly Hive, Pig and other users to plug in their logic uh, for data processing into their DAGs which they have defined. Secondly, for uh, runtime optimizations, for example, you know, figuring out what is the correct number of reducers in your job or figuring out uh, how many mappers to start uh, based on the size of the cluster or the available resources. A lot of these decisions are possible to make uh, at runtime uh, in an optimal manner. And Taze allows the users to plug in different uh, user logic which can change the graph that was supplied by the user uh, and change the concurrency of that graph with, uh, uh, at runtime so that we generate a more optimal plan and an optimal scheduling of uh, the, the work at runtime. So based on these two premises of more optimal and dynamic graph reconfiguration and more pluggable user logic along with the DAG definition API, uh, we hope to solve the two problems that users had, which is expressing their stuff, uh, expressing their work, and then getting it done efficiently. Uh, as of now, we just, you know, uh, uh, last month released the 0.3 version uh, for uh, for Apache Taze uh, incubating. And what that uh, brought in is, uh, you know, the final versions of our, uh, you know, APIs, uh, security, stability, a lot of bug fixes. So now uh, you can run Taze on a secure Hadoop cluster and it will take uh, the standard methods of authentication and authorization in Hadoop to run uh, your job securely. Since Taze runs a, a, a large DAG which can, uh, which can fail in multiple ways, fault tolerance uh, for the work was very important and so a lot of work was put into uh, making sure that fault tolerance works and is well tested. Uh, a lot of work is in progress for recovery of uh, a DAG such that uh, if because of a machine failure, one instance of uh, the, the application uh, is lost, uh, the, the new instance of the application can take over from where the first application left off and there is no loss of work. So a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, feature improvements uh, were made in 0.3 and are in flight and should be shortly available in 0.4. Uh, 
when we bring it out. What we are looking at uh, from 0 or 3 onwards is the mental model in which, uh, you know, Thais is a platform or a set of building blocks on which anybody who wants to do a data processing application in Hadoop uh, can use these building blocks in order to build their applications in a customized manner. Just like Hive built its Hive processing engine on Thais and then Pig built their processing engine on Thais, anybody who's got a data processing application uh, should be able to easily use Thais to as the set of building blocks to build their application. So if you go back to Hadoop 1, um, we had HDFS and MapReduce. HDFS to store and MapReduce to process. Now MapReduce for me as somebody working on the system was actually not one but three different things, right, conceptually. First one was it was a system which would take your MapReduce applications and run them to completion. We do resource management and fault tolerance and so on. Then it was the um, user API with which users actually implemented applications, right? They run, they write mappers and reduces and input formats and output formats. And last but not least, it was also an engine, uh, a processing engine which other frameworks like Pig and Hive used to process data. So it was the, a system, an API, uh, a system, a user API, and, a, and an engine, right? So if you look at Hadoop 2, I think what's happening is that clearly Yarn is a system, right? The API stays as the MapReduce API, but you'll have a lot more APIs going forward because that's exactly why we built Yarn. We want people to build different applications and different APIs and different interfaces to data, right? Whether it's Storm, whether it's Giraffe, and so on. But but what's happened is, I think with Thais, what we what we now get is actually a, a different engine, right? And that engine is actually much more flexible, much more powerful, um, you know, much better latency, much better throughput, and so on. And we're seeing, you know, the, the other frameworks like Pig, Hive, Cascading actually move on top of Thais now because that's sort of the natural sort of evolution of uh, of the engine, which which was the processing engine which is available on Hadoop. Um, hopefully, that makes sense. It does. So what's next for the Hortonworks data platform? We do all our work in the open. We try and make sure we get the you know the most stable, but also the most current uh, bits of you know every piece of the every component of the platform into um, into our release. So we released HTTP 2.0 in um, in in sort of the, in Q4 of last year. We've had we've we're very 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 thrilled with the. Uh, reception it's got from the market, um, and in particular, the reception that Yarn has got both from customers um, who are seeing, you know, significant returns on the investment in Yarn, um, but also our partners and and other ISVs who are who are beginning to realize that you can now Yarn opens up a, a gateway for them to come in and actually, pro you know, both store and process data with Hadoop. Um, in a consistent and uh, you know consistent enterprise class manner. Well, sort of vetted at this point that uh, with Yarn, everybody from Yahoo to Twitter, they're seeing at least two x the throughput on the same exact same physical hardware, um, thanks to Yarn, which is actually pretty phenomenal if you think about the fact that these guys are doing tens of billions of dollars of capex and opex on Hadoop. So getting you know two x there is actually amazing. So if you look at Yahoo, for example, they've actually been able to reduce their Hadoop footprint from 45,000 nodes to 35,000 or so, uh, and yet actually get better uh, throughput because Yarn is 
made such a big difference um, to their um, operational operational view of the system. Uh, in fact, they, they actually went ahead and re retired one or two colos, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, in terms of next steps for HTTP, we, we, we're sort of getting up towards um, an HTTP 2.1 release. Um, that will include, you know, Hadoop 2.4. But from my perspective, the most exciting part is, you know, it's actually sort of the culmination of the Stinger initiative. Uh, we've talked about how Stinger was phase one, phase two, and phase three. With, with uh, 2.1, we'll get phase three of Stinger. And what that means is we now have Hive, which will depend on Thais instead of MapReduce. We have a cost-based optimizer with Optic now. We have vectorized query processing um, to actually speed up the inner loop and so on. I mean, I can, I can spend days talking about it, but the net of it is that with Hive 13, which is sort of what the community is going to um, uh, come out with, Hive will be, you know, Hive will be easily the best option for SQL processing in Hadoop, open source SQL solution in Hadoop, because you can now do not only low latency human interactive queries, um, you know, single digit seconds, but also continue to do what Hive was very good at, which was, you know, big, massive, multi-terabyte joins and multi-terabyte scans, um, and do all of this in the same system. Equally importantly, it's actually got a significantly better um, Amount better better compliance with with SQL standards. One of the you know it's it doesn't sound like a lot, but we added uh, a decimal data type. Now you might wonder why it matters a lot, but if you're trying to do you know accounting, you really want high precision math, um, and without a decimal data type, that wasn't feasible in Hive. But you know that one feature took us an enormous amount of effort. But we're very very thankful that the entire community, including folks like you know, Microsoft actually contributed a lot of work there. Um, so we have decimal data types. We have, you know, windowing functions, which we've had for a while. We have, we now have sub-query support. Um, that's actually a, a big deal. Significantly enhanced sub-query sub -query support. Um, and uh, furthermore, sort of the thing that I'm most excited about is we're, now we actually have the first blush of integration with Optic, which actually means that Hive now has a cost-based optimizer, a full-fledged cost-based optimizer. Um, which is sort of best in class because Optic is one of the best, you know, it's one of the best volcano style um, optimizer generators around. Um, and we're very, very glad to have Julian actually, Julian Hyde was the lead of Optic. He's now at Hortonworks. He's actually been involved in making sure that Hive and Optic work really well together. With HDFs, for example, we now have uh, heterogeneous storage with which you can actually model different storage classes like disk, which is the only thing uh, Hadoop understood before. Um, to RAM, to SSD, and so on. So all of these enhancements are, um, I mean, the, the base of these enhancements are already in, but over the course of this year, we'll actually see these actually bear even more, come to even more fruition in some sense. Well, thank you both for your time today. All right, perfect. Thanks again, Joe. Pleasure. Thank you.